All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. American happy Wednesday, by the way, AMAC Wednesday. Yep. Today, we're going to have a great interview with Rebecca Weber, the CEO of one of the most influential senior citizen groups in all of America. And before that, we're going to bring in Monica Crowley, former Assistant Treasury Secretary and one of the great thought leaders in American policy today. She goes all the way back to the retirement days of Richard Nixon, where she was an advisor to him, uh, of course, been on Fox News for many years and then became an important aide to President Trump and Treasury Secretary Mnuchin during the Trump administration. Always a joy. She now has one of the most listened to and I think enjoyable podcasts, The Monica Crowley Show. Always great to have her on. We'll be talking about the debt deal, which is getting closer to a vote in the House. Kevin McCarthy trying to marshal the votes to get a Republican alternative in place and put more pressure on President Biden to come to the negotiating table. So that'll be our show today. It's a great lineup. We'll have two blocks with Rebecca Weber, which will be really fun. And we'll, we're really looking forward to that. Now, I want to get to a story that I broke overnight. You might have saw me on Sean Handy last night on Fox News. This is an important story because it starts to show a pattern of involvement of the intelligence community in putting its thumb on the scale of American elections. Now, last week, I broke the story of the testimony of Mike Morrell, the former deputy CIA director, the former acting CIA director, he acknowledged that he was behind that famous letter, now infamous letter, by the 51 security experts who falsely led the American people to believe that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. There was no evidence to support that. The FBI already had the laptop, had authenticated it. The DNI and the FBI both put out statements saying there was no reason at the time that to treat the laptop as disinformation. But these 51 experts did that. And they, in so doing, they really did intervene in the election because they allowed President Biden to blunt questions at the debate using that letter. It turns out we were all all misled. But now we know that it wasn't as it was portrayed. Joe Biden and his campaign tried to portray this letter as an organic, independent opinion of the intelligence community. Now we know that Mike Morrell, former deputy CIA director, twice the former acting CIA director, that he organized a letter and he did so. He was instigated, or as he used the word triggered, to do so by a call from Anthony Blinken, who then even forwarded him the information about 
the newspaper article that would become a part of the letter that was insinuated that this was Russian disinformation. Anthony Blinken, now our Secretary of State, triggered that, loaded that into the Mike Morrell intelligence gun, and then he wrote the letter. And then the Biden campaign orchestrated the media release. They even said, let's go to the Washington Post first. They eventually went to Politico and they got the story out. And once again, Russia, Russia, Russia became a distraction in an American election. But in doing some reporting, that's the story I broke last week. You remember it well. It's been picked up by a lot of people. Now Wall Street Journal had a great op-ed about it yesterday. It's, it's made the rounds in the mainstream media a lot. Maybe not as much as it should, but certainly a lot. Well, I went back and looked at 2016. And long and behold, the exact same pattern played out. In fact, with the exact same guy, Mike Morrell recently departed as the deputy ACI director, was one of the first intelligence officials in early August, late summer 2016, to suggest that Donald Trump was a, I'm not making this up, recruited Russian agent, recruited by Vladimir Putin unwittingly to be an agent of the Russian Federation. He made that claim in a New York Times article on August 5th, 2016. He also endorsed Hillary Clinton and he coordinated that with the Clinton campaign. Now, what happened just a week before that? Well, a week before that, two things happened. First, the Clinton campaign put out the first inkling that maybe Russia and Trump were in bed together. They accused Russia of hacking the DNC servers to help Donald Trump get elected. Well, right after that, Morell's old boss, the current and successor at that time, the current CIA director, John Brennan, went to Barack Obama in a private Oval Office briefing. And in that Oval Office briefing, John Brennan said, hey, Mr. President, be aware that Hillary Clinton is going to try to hang a fake Russia shingle on Donald Trump's campaign house. He's going to try to change the narrative from her email scandal to Donald Trump having a Russia problem. And we've intercepted it. We're aware of it. Beware of it. So the Intelligence Committee was aware that this was a Hillary Clinton contrived plan. I think the actual words that Brennan used was that they were going to stir up a Russia scandal on Trump to divert attention from her email scandal. That warning would not only go to the president, it would eventually go to the FBI, who, by the way, ignored him and continued to investigate Russia collusion. We know what happened there. So before Mike Morrell goes and starts the Donald Trump is a Russian agent theme and endorses Hillary Clinton, there's a warning in the intelligence committee that this is contrived. It's a political dirty trick. Despite that, Morrell not only writes the op-ed in injects this idea, which then becomes one of the talking points of the Clinton campaign all the way through Election Day and beyond. After that, another thing happens. The Clinton campaign is really synced with what Mike Morrell is doing. They put out an ad saying President Trump isn't fit to be commander in chief in conjunction with the Morrell announcement. And a couple of days later, oh, if this sounds familiar, 50 security experts put out a letter saying they didn't trust Donald Trump to be president. Hmm. Same pattern, same playbook in 2016, same playbook in 2020. Of course, a little different circumstances with who did what when things happened. But the idea that an intelligence operative was involved in setting a narrative that turned out to be not true. By the way, a Russian narrative, Russia, 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 like the president, former president likes to say, that is documented. We have that story today. Nick Jeeves and I broke this overnight. The headline is before Biden laptop letter, ex-CIA boss, i.e. Mike Burrell, intervened on Russia collusion in 2016. Oh, and also Benghazi in 2012. A lot of people forget about this, but Mike Burrell admitted that back in 2012, 
The prior presidential election, Barack Obama's running for re-election in 2016, Hillary Clinton in 20, oh, sorry, 2012 for uh, Obama, 2016 for Hillary Clinton, Biden in 2020. In all three elections, Mike Morrell had a impact on the political dialogue of the election. 2016 with the op-ed, as I just laid out, 2020 with the letter from the 51 security experts falsely portraying the Hunter Biden laptop as Russian disinformation. In 2012, while Mike Morrell was still inside the CIA as its top official, he admitted that he edited the talking points and took out the references to al-Qaeda being involved in the tragic Benghazi attack on our compound that killed Ambassador Christopher Stephen and three other Americans. He edited out all references to al-Qaeda, which led Susan Rice to give a false portrayal on television that maybe this attack on the Benghazi campaign was triggered by anger over an anti-Muslim video that had been circulating. It wasn't true, but it was a talking point that had to be debunked. And Mike Morrell, by changing the talking points for that appearance, admitted that that led for an inaccurate briefing. Now, he said he didn't do it for political reasons, but whether he did it for political reasons or not in his testimony, it clearly had a political impact. Hmm. Three straight elections, one guy from a single community, the intelligence community, sometimes with his cohorts, had three disparate impacts on three separate elections, 2012 Obama, 2016 Clinton, 2020 Biden. That is a real storyline that we all should be concerned about because the credentials that intelligence experts get are derived from our trust in them, our taxpayer investment in them. When they use those credentials to try to misinform the American public, it harms all of us. It puts the thumb on the scale. And my good friend, Kevin Brock, who's quoted in the story, former FBI intelligence director, a real honest broker, he said that, listen, one thing is clear now. Spies have been interfering in our United States election. Oh, by, by the way, not Russian or Chinese or Iranian, American spies. American spies have influenced the last couple of elections. That is concerning. Check that story out. It's a good read. It's a long read. All of the documents and proof are there, so you don't have to take my word for it. Again, Mike Morrell served his country for 33 years in intelligence. deserves the benefit of the doubt. But these documents are irrefutable, what they show. And it's a very important, very important dialogue. All right, folks, we're going to go take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to start off the day with former Assistant Treasury Secretary and good friend and longtime conservative thought leader, Monica Crowley, right after this. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www 
twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. I'm always excited when I have this next guest on. I count her as a personal friend. I count her as one of the great thought leaders in our country. She has also one of the most important podcasts in the business today. My good friend, Monica Crowley. Monica, great to have you back on the show. Always such a pleasure, John. Thank you so much. You have such breadth of experience. And this week, we've had more broad news than I could think of. We got a Sudan crisis, a economic crisis, a debt vote, a crisis at Fox News with the loss of Tucker Carlson. I don't even know where to start, but I want to start with the debt limit. Just a little bit ago, the House Rules Committee said they have scheduled a vote for tonight. Looks like McCarthy has the votes to pass raising the debt limit and cutting spending. I want to get your take on how important a moment this is in the standoff with Joe Biden. Well, this is absolutely critical. And I give so much credit to, yes, Speaker McCarthy. And I was I was waiting. The jury was was out on his leadership and whether or not he would really have the stones to stand up, particularly on this critical issue. But he has. And I also want to commend the 20 or so Republicans that kind of held up his uh, approval as Speaker of the House. This was earlier this year, back in January. I want to give them a lot of props. There were so many Freedom Caucus members in there, but there were others too who extracted a lot of promises from Speaker McCarthy on a whole range of issues, but including this. And this is really right now one of the top three critical issues for the country. The other main one being, of course, the weaponization of our own government against us. But all of that is contingent on a strong U.S. economy and the government having tremendous spending options, right? So when you pull that rug out from the system, and this is the government writ large, the system, if you start to pull back on the amount of spending, the amount of resources that the system has, thing, the other things, including the weaponization of government, will start to... Uh, moderate a bit. So it's always all about the money in any direction. So I want to give kudos to Speaker McCarthy. I want to give uh, kudos to the House Freedom Caucus and the other House leaders for really looking like they ripped the votes. They got to 218 on this very reasonable proposal that McCarthy is going to hold a vote on tonight, 
which involves, you know, putting a 1% spending cap on for 10 years. It involves pulling back the unspent COVID money. And look, I was in the Trump administration when that spending began to, to happen. And we were in the, the midst of an emergency. So emergency level spending in an emergency is totally justified. Emergency level spending absent the actual emergency is not justified. And this is what Biden and the Democrats in Congress and the left have done. So he is saying the Republicans are saying pull back on that unspent COVID money, send it back into the Treasury kitty. Let's not spend it. There's no need for it. We're talking hundreds of billions of dollars. So that is a critical move as well. So they have a number of really important common sense measures in this. They want to extend it for one year to May of next year, which, of course, would be right smack dab in the middle of a presidential election cycle. That is strategic and very smart. So they're going to pass this. The House is going to pass this tonight. They've got the votes. It's not a mystery. It will go to the Senate. But keep in mind, it could die a grisly death in the Senate. And then, of course, it could uh, very well die a grisly death if it makes it through the Senate on Biden's desk. Biden has vowed to veto this. So it looks like it will not become law, but it is a good opening gambit for the Republicans to show the American people that they're serious about reining in government and reining in government spending. And McCarthy has been really aggressive in saying, listen, I want to sit with the president. We're going to sit with the president. Yesterday, McConnell said, hey, the president should sit with us and stop sitting on the sidelines. They've turned the tables a little bit in exposing Joe Biden as a guy that who said he was going to bring conciliation, but doesn't even want to have a conversation of how to get to a, a deal with Congress. Does that help them in the long term? Can they win the PR war? Traditionally, Democrats have won the PR war when a government shutdown looms. It seems like Kevin McCarthy has turned that table a little bit. Yes. Now, Democrats usually win the battle because they've got their wingmen in the press to amplify their message. Right. And they will certainly have that this time. But I think because the numbers we're talking about are so outrageous, we're talking about, you know, trillion dollar plus annual deficits. We're talking about a national debt of 32 trillion closing in on 32 trillion. It is absolute madness. And because of all of the spending during COVID, some justified, some not. um, I think the American people have a better handle on the, the level of spending and how out of control it is. I do think McCarthy and the Republicans are doing a very smart thing by coming right out of the box with this proposal, holding a vote on it. It's not just throwing it out there and talking about it on Fox News or Fox Business or whatever, but they're actually putting it to a vote. They will be held accountable for that vote. They're going to vote for this package very proudly because it is a responsible one. Um, And then they're going to make the Democrats, they're going to force the Democrats to go on the record here with a vote. That's very smart. It can be weaponized against the Democrats, but they're going to have to punch through the mainstream press in order to get their message across to the American people. I do think that there's going to be more traction than there were the last couple of debt ceiling cycles. Um, I think there's more traction for the Republicans this time around. There's a fun side conversation going on with Congressman James Comer, the chairman of the House Oversight Committee. For the first time that I can remember in a very long time, Congress is looking at the high risk list that the GAO puts out last year to show all of the tens and hundreds of billions of dollars that simply could be saved 
if agencies listen to the GAO and implement smart, common-sense solutions for the American taxpayer, when you start to add up what these long-term proposals are from GAO, I mean, it literally could save the country hundreds of billions of dollars a year. It seems like fraud and waste and mismanagement. It's a low-hanging fruit area to cut the government without you know people on the downstream side, the taxpayers, really feeling any negative effect from it. Do you think this has some legs to it? How dare you talk common sense, John Solomon? <laughs> yes, what a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, everything you laid out makes total sense, of course. But remember, we're dealing with two massive forces here that are like immovable. It's like trying to move a warship in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and turn it around. The first force is that you're dealing with government. Government, unlike the private sector, does not operate on the basis of a profit motive. It operates on the basis of power and access to power. And when you have power, you have resources behind you. So there is no incentive for the government and those in the government to rein in spending at all because it's not their money. It's our money, but it's not money that's tied to an individual or a company or a bottom line. So without the profit motive, there's really no incentive to rein in spending at all. And in fact, the incentive goes the other way ever more spending, ever more money coming to your agency, your department, whatever it might be to expand and grow government, right? So that's number one. Number two, on the left that now controls all of the departments and government uh, throughout, you're dealing with actual communists here, right? These are not JFK Democrats or even Bill Clinton Democrats. And their main mission is the fundamental transformation of the nation, which requires a deliberate implosion of the U.S. economy. So they are spending like crazy deliberately to implode the economic system so they can rebuild it in, you know, some sort of Marxist collectivist image, including a central bank digital currency, etc. They want to implode the economic system so that they can come in and ride to the rescue with all of their Marxist uh, total power and control. So those two forces are tremendously powerful. And this is why this is an uphill battle. You know, we're over here talking about policy and putting to a vote a very responsible debt ceiling proposal, government spending proposal. And they're on the other side in like this religious war to transform the country. Yeah. Yeah, it's such an amazing moment. And it's obvious what they're doing, but I don't think most Americans see the playbook that's being put out there. They're feeling it. I mean, they feel the inflation, they feel the gas prices, they feel all those things. But the bigger game plan of moving to a more government-regulated Marxist marketplace is right over the horizon if big changes don't happen. And I don't think most Americans are prepared for that yet. I want to turn to politics for a second. Joe Biden threw his hat in the ring, but unlike any presidential announcement, he did a video and then wasn't to be found. It looks like basement campaign number two. Normally, a president goes out, gets right in front of the people, starts talking, engaging, he kind of just puts a video out there, which was a redo of the red wall speech from last year. And then nothing. How unusual is it for a president not to get out and engage with the people after announcing a big reelection effort? Yeah, it's very strange. And usually candidates running for president will put on a huge live event with a massive live crowd, balloons, streamers, confetti, you know, whatever it might be. And on top of it, when they announce, they usually focus on a very positive, sunny, optimistic view of the future with them at the helm, 
what they have done in the past for the country, what they will do in the future for the country. It's usually an aspirational kind of message. Well, Joe Biden is incapable of doing that. Joe Biden has always been a hack and a jerk, and now he's a hack and a jerk with dementia. So they could not put him in front of a live crowd. They could not risk a live event. He's incapable of doing that. On top of it, his message in this video the other day, John, had not a single first-term accomplishment because he doesn't have one that is positive. All he could do is sow fair, right? That's what it was about, sowing fair. Right. There was no aspirational positivity, and he is incapable of doing a live event like that uh, because of his cognitive challenges. So they had him do this three-minute video where it's heavily edited. You can tell that. It's all on teleprompter. Absolutely pathetic. But I will say this. What he did in this video is freeze the rest of a potential Democratic field. As I said on my podcast today, and I encourage everybody to listen to how I break it down, and I also have Steve Bannon on the show today talking about all of this and more. Um, but I think the Democrats, the, the powers that be, the leftist power brokers, will make a decision in the fall whether or not he can hack this next year, whether or not they can go with another kind of 2020 crisis plan, whether it's another global pandemic. I mean, who knows what they have up their sleeve. Deep state is capable of anything. So they will determine in the fall whether or not they can pull off another basement strategy with a whole new plan of crisis and chaos. If they feel that they can, they will go ahead with Biden-Harris. If they feel they cannot, they will dump him so fast your head will spin. And they will run someone stronger whether it's a Gavin Newsom, whether it's a Mrs. Clinton, whether it's a Michelle Obama, don't discount her. There are a couple of moves going on here behind the scenes with regard to her. They will ditch him so fast if they feel that they need a support candidate and can't pull off the crisis candidacy that they did in 2020. They have zero loyalty and they will move against him really fast. But it also means they've got to move against Kamala Harris as well. Um, because she can't carry this either. So it's going to be a very fascinating couple of months. Yeah, that it is. It's an amazing moment in history. Pop culture, Fox News, you and I have always had a great long relationship. There's a lot of good things. Big departure with Tucker Carlson. I think first, maybe could you address the void he leaves? And then how do we fill that void? I mean, it's hard to replace a Tucker Carlson, but obviously someone's going to step in. I'd love to love to get your take on both. Yes. Well, thank you for that. I consider Tucker a friend. I'm blessed to know him. I've been blessed to do his show, including his hour-long Tucker Carlson Today show, where we drilled down on President Nixon, my experiences with him and the deep state. Um, so I think this is, like, personally, I, I feel for him. And, I, you know, I know he's going to be fine. He always lands on his feet. Um, he's a once-in-a-generation talent both intellectually and in terms of being a media personality. So whatever he chooses to do will be a massive, massive success. I think it's a huge loss for Fox. It obviously leaves a major programming back in for them right in prime time. But it's also a loss for the country and it's a loss for our movement um, because Tucker was willing to challenge the uni party, the pro-war uni party, both sides of the aisle, he was one of the most intellectually honest people I've ever met and ever seen in action. And he was willing to go up against party orthodoxy 
and just general orthodoxies. He was completely fearless and unafraid. He exposed a lot of corruption and rot. He was a truth teller. And that's why I think it's a, a massive, massive loss. So I can't wait for the day when he is back in a capacity he chooses, whether it's a digital platform, another network, whatever it might be, because he is an absolutely invaluable voice for the country and the truth. Yeah, that he is. When you look around, there's a real strong young stable of conservatives coming up, maybe molded in some part by the libertarian flavor of conservatism that Tucker made so popular on Fox News. Do you see any young people out there you think, hey, in a few years, they're going to step into a role like Tucker? Who gets you excited when you look across the landscape these days? Well, you know, it's it's interesting because, yeah, there are all kinds of up and coming uh, voices who what's interesting, you mentioned Fox, they're on um, individual platforms, right? They're doing their own independent media. So whether it's you know, Ben Shapiro, whether it's a Candace Owens, you know, there are people out there who are on um, outside platforms that are sort of outside traditional media. And I think that's where the next round of real talent is coming from. I mean, look, you're, you're on just the uh, news. You're running that so well. You do this podcast. You're on Real America's Voice. There are other platforms that I, I think this Tucker move is going to continue to fracture um, the audience, they will go and seek out voices like Tucker's um, from all angles and do it on their own terms. Most of it's on demand. They can listen whenever they want. That is really the future. And so I, I think, you know, the, the Fox News thing, Fox has tremendous resources and they will, you know, they'll figure it out. But I think it's going to further atomize where conservatives and others get their news and analysis. Yeah, you're right. And that, that sort of flattening of the communication system where all these new cable cutting locations can aggregate the same type of audience as a cable station is really a great opportunity for consumers. More choice, more competition usually yields better products. And I think that that's where the next few years are going to be. Step back for a second. And just if you could, the last thing I wanted you to handicap the state of the Republican presidential race. President Trump has risen really strongly in the last few weeks. It seems like Ron DeSantis has struggled a little bit to get traction, maybe learning that the gift of friendship and relationship building is an important part of building a national campaign. Where do you think the race stands right now as you look at it? Well, from day one, John, it has been Donald Trump and then everybody else. And that includes tremendously talented people like Governor DeSantis, who has been the most effective governor in the country. I mean, it's just been a tremendous, tremendous governor. I'm sitting in Florida right now, and there's a reason, because it's always been a free state, even throughout the COVID pandemic. Um, So, you know, we do have some talented people. Some have already jumped into the Republican primary. Some are still thinking about it, including Governor DeSantis. But the truth is that Donald Trump remains the 800-pound gorilla. And he is leading. He was leading well before the indictment, but the indictment really, out of New York, really seemed to seal the nomination for Donald Trump. Now, that doesn't mean that the system uh, won't pull more indictments out of a hat. In fact, the Georgia DA, she's a Soros DA, Fannie Wallace, Wallace, um, she has sort of pre-signaled that an indictment of Trump may come down this summer. 
Um, you have the DOJ, you've got Jack Smith, this special counsel. You've got a number of people who are going to continue to assault Donald Trump with meaningless indictments and so on. But it will have an effect on him. Right. I mean, it's, it's meant to drain his resources and distract him. All of this nonsense. Um, he will plow through that. The question is whether or not any of these things go to trial and he ends up with a prison sentence, which, of course, then he can appeal. This is going to be a long, long process. I think Donald Trump, in the end, becomes the nominee. He's running 30 plus points ahead of Governor DeSantis right now. Um, I am not entirely convinced in this moment as we speak DeSantis gets in. I think if you had asked me last week, I would have been like, yes, he's laying all of the markers to do that. And he still may very well do that. But I think he's watching the poll numbers go really hard against him now. And I think, you know, going up against Donald Trump is not for the same height. Uh, Governor DeSantis is a really strong, smart leader, but nobody is prepared really for a campaign against Donald Trump unless and until you're in it. And I think he's gotten a pretaste of this and maybe doesn't like it that much. <laughs> so I wouldn't want to go up against Donald Trump. So we shall see. But if I'm making a prediction now, I think 100% it's going to be Donald Trump. And then the question is, who does he choose as a running mate? How do you sew it together? And some interesting reports today that he'd be open to a DeSantis ticket, you know, having DeSantis on the ticket, which would sew, I think, both sides of the party together in a unique way, maybe like the Reagan-Bush ticket did in 1980. Yes. Yes. I'm all for it. I think that would be a brilliant stroke of genius. But let's see. Let's see how it shakes out. A lot of history still has to play out, but interesting overtures or signals coming from both camps in the last couple of days. Monica, it is such an honor to always have you on your work at the Treasury Department in thought leadership for years, going all the way back to President Nixon in his retirement years. You have always met the mark of serving your country, and we're just so grateful every time you come on. Oh, it's always such a pleasure, John, to join you, and it's such an honor for me as well. You and I have been longtime friends, and it's just always great to be in the foxhole with you, my friend. Well, I'm honored to be right alongside you. And folks, if you haven't done it, you're making a big mistake. Go check out Monica's amazing show, the Monica Crowley Podcast. You can get it everywhere. It's I don't get a chance to listen to many podcasts. Monica's one I always make a point to listen to. She has such wisdom, great guests. Uh, it's a must to listen to. So be sure to download that today and become a subscriber. Monica, thanks so much. We'll get you back on real soon. Anytime. Thank you, John. Thanks, my friend. Take care. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, it is AMAC Wednesday, and we have CEO of AMAC, Rebecca Weber, coming up right after the commercial. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity 
in your home. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now, get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. I'm always excited when we have this conversation. I am a huge fan of the Association of Mature American Citizens, better known as AMAC. As you know, we have a great partnership. We love everything they do and also everything they bring to the discussion table. There isn't an issue that doesn't affect real Americans at the dinner table, at the water cooler, that AMAC doesn't have its finger in. It has incredible incredible resources and experts. And one of them is joining us today. She's the chief executive officer of AMAC and our good friend, Rebecca Weber. Rebecca, welcome back to the show. John, thanks for having me. It is an honor. We love this partnership. We love the work you guys are doing. Every day when I go to AMAC, there's some big news, some big policy initiative that you're working on. I want to step back because it's sometimes easy to get so involved in the issues, but talk about the broader mission of what AMAC does for the millions of people that are engaged, the grassroots army that you've assembled. It really is quite impressive and has a very big mission. I want you to walk us through some of the things that you're impacting each day with that mission. Well, thank you, John. This was a business that was uh, born in 2007 by the late and great Dan Weber, also my father. And back in 07, he recognized that American conservatives were underrepresented. And uh, for 50 plus, for those 50 and older, uh, the the other organization was out there lobbying on behalf of of, uh, issues that members, many of their members were not for. So AMAC was formed in 07. Today, John, we're over 2.2 million strong, and we do all of the great things that uh, our great seniors deserve. That is, we give steep discounts, uh, advocacy. We're working very, very hard on Capitol Hill, advocating on behalf of our over 2.2 million members. And we've got a great, uh, great writers that are, that are constantly uh, getting news to our members, news that mainstream media tries to suppress. Uh, all of that for $16 a year, you can become a part of the fastest growing conservative 50 plus organization in America. And uh, it's an honor to wake up every morning knowing that we're fighting the good fight. Oh, that you are. And you're fighting it with common sense. I think people look at Washington today and they go, you know, this is so easy to fix, but no one in Washington sounds like they make any sense. It's like a marble asylum no matter where you go. But you guys, when you, when you're sitting there and you're putting together policy solutions when you're organizing the grassroots. The word common sense comes to me in nearly every policy I read. I go, well, of course that makes sense. That's the common sense way Americans would do it. Do you think Americans are ready to impose common sense after so many years of insanity? I do. And and that is what gives me great hope uh, is that, you know, there's 
there's a, a movement. Uh, and although many of us feel very suppressed and our voices are, are shuttered and we're not maybe able to feel as freely to speak on the issues, our members are speaking out in the hundreds of thousands and they're participating in our calls to action. Our calls to action, you don't even have to be an AMAC member to participate in a call to action. And there's so much information at amacaction.org. You can become a member advocate. What do I mean by that? Well, John, what I mean is that members, AMAC members throughout the nation are messaging state legislatures, our administration, uh, all of our folks in Congress on the issues uh, that are important to them, and we make it very easy for them to engage so that they have a voice in Washington. Uh, just back in March, for example, AMAC members in Kentucky and Idaho were instrumental in getting a parental rights bill passed. Uh, that's huge. This was huge, uh, and it was a real win, you know, because our children, John, they're so important. They're the future of this nation, and AMAC members believe that parents have a God-given right to make decisions for their children. So this bill in the Kentucky State House was being pressured by the transgender community to reject. Uh, this would allow parental engagement in the decision-making process regarding a student's access to sexual materials that we believe are inappropriate and perhaps even harmful to minors. Uh, and AMAC members in the Bluegrass State responded. They flooded their state representatives with messages of strong support. And uh, it was interesting because there was great opposition to the bill, and it really did get ugly um, with uh, uh, legislators being accused of having blood on their But uh, despite that opposition, uh, and I believe it was due in great, in great part from AMAC members, the bill was passed and in enacted into law. So this gives me a whole heck of a lot of hope for the future of America. And it's interesting, John, because grandparents, too, care so deeply about this issue. Uh, probably in the top three, uh, last time we ran a poll, uh, parental rights were in the top three, uh, you know, major concerns among AMAC members. It has been a two-year awakening. I think it began with the Yunkin campaign. It actually really began in the, at the very end of the Trump administration when people started to say, what's this critical race here? What are you teaching my children? Uh, parents and grandparents suddenly learning, hey, wait a second, my kids, I didn't see these lessons. The pandemic kind of opened it up. Then there was the shot heard around the world with the Virginia off-year election where Glenn Youngkin sweeps in on the strength of this. But now it is a national movement, and AMAC has been on the front lines of this for quite some time. I want to ask what's next. So there's a lot of states now that have the parental rights legislation in Kentucky, one of the big victories recently. One of the questions a lot of people have is, hey, right now legislatures in these states are favorable to this, let's get it done. But like what happened in Michigan in the 2022 election, all of a sudden there's a Democratic majority in the legislature. Things are getting rolled back. Is there room, is there an impetus for getting constitutional amendments changed so that parents' rights are enshrined in the constitutions of the individual states to make sure that future legislatures don't tinker with this incredible right of parents? Yeah, that's a great, really great question. Now, don't forget in March, the House Republicans passed this landmark parental bill of rights. That's right. And that was really important. Uh, now, we know that... Um, that this, that this bill, of course, is, is not embraced by the administration. President Biden has said that he opposes the bill. But nonetheless, the good news is that this sends a loud, I believe, a loud and clear message to voters about where 
uh, conservative Republicans stand on the issue. We also saw the great win in, in Florida, Florida's uh, HB 1557, that was the Parental Rights in Education Act. Uh, and that legislation, such common sense there, it just merely prohibited classroom instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity in grades K through three. Um, these were these largely, AMAC members largely supported, and Biden called that law hateful. So here's what I'm getting at. Yeah, it's just amazing. And uh, he, matter of fact, we know just last week that um, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis looks to expand the bill to grades 4 through 12. Now, that really is outraging the left. Um, but we're finding that more and more registered voters support parental rights. And this is not, this is a bipartisan issue. This is not, this is something our children are so important. Our children need us. America needs our children. We've got to protect America's children. And if we don't, who will? Uh, and, you know, going back to Dan Weber, uh, back in the early days when the, uh, during the Obama years, when, when the uh, bathroom bill was, was first talked about, that really frightened him. He saw the writing on the wall and what could happen. When we begin to uh, eliminate the lines between male and female uh, and, you know, words like consent go away and uh, we talk about children being privy to information that really should come from parents not from strangers. We teach our children, right? Don't talk to strangers. And here we have schools and, and unions that are, that are not, in my, my opinion, putting our children first. This is what is happening today. It's sending a loud message. And people are, people are saying enough is enough. So I, it's my personal opinion that the, um, the Democrats who are opposing parental rights, they're doing it at their own political peril. It's, uh, it's a dangerous, dangerous, slippery slope. And uh, AMAC members believe, again, parents have a God-given right. So I think that while we won't see anything um, in the immediate future, uh, we do believe that this is certainly going to um, – we see where we're headed in 2024, and we think that this is, this is something that I pray, and we will not stop fighting, John. We've got the courage and the voice to stand out. Thank God for over 2 million members that support us in this area. Yeah, so, so amazing. And you've done such great work. I mean, from Washington to state houses, you mentioned the word unions. And I think if you look at the last 10 to 12 years, starting with a speech at the United Nations, maybe about a decade or so ago, one of the largest forces in trying to tug the education system away from parents' rights and towards government imposition of judgment on, on what children should learn and not learn comes from the teachers' unions. Randy Weingarten, probably the most famous face at the American Federation of Teachers. Today, there's a whole hearing in Congress that's kind of exposing the role the teachers played, particularly in keeping schools closed during the pandemic, but also injecting things like critical race theory and transgender philosophies and sexually explicit books into library. Talk a little bit about the teachers' unions and the role they played in what AMAC has tried to do to counter that influence. Excellent. You know, first off, the fight to protect our children will have to happen on the state level because we know that there are laws in 38 states that guarantee collective bargaining. And that, you know, is over every aspect of curriculum, uh, teachers pay. And, and the unions are, are, are really, you know, saying, you know, we're for social justice. And they keep going back to uh, things being inclusive and using the word equity over and over again. But it's my opinion that um, 
these unions are, are, are putting their ideology above, you know, teaching arithmetic and, and uh, social studies, math and such, uh, they are buying political influence as well, right? The nation's two biggest teachers unions, and this is according to Open Secrets, um, the largest donors that they make, uh, that the money, 94% roughly of that money goes to Democrats. So you've got to sit here and look at the, look at the real facts and say to yourself, you know, individuals say to yourself, are they really putting children first? So we're working on the state level. Uh, we see that there are many states that are banning unions uh, from deducting dues from teachers' paychecks. That'll make it harder, right, for them to raise money. Uh, but in these deep blue states, you know, the state that I live in, New York State, um, they're really captive to these unions. So I think we need to do a lot of work to um, – uh, understand how we remove that kind of extreme power that they have. And this is going to start uh, with people like you and me and uh, individual moms and dads, grandparents across the country. We cannot give up. Uh, we've got to make sure that um, our children are, are tested. Uh, we can't get rid of testing altogether. That, that is just ridiculous. Uh, and we need to put our kids first so that we have a strong future. Uh, and this is this is something that again you know, you'd think that that members uh, 50 and plus would say you know I'm I'm more concerned about the issues that impact me today. Our members are so wise they understand that the future of America relies on our, our young young ones today, and they they see saw what happened. Uh, history will repeat itself if we're not careful and don't recognize how important it is that we protect our kids. Yeah, such an important moment in history. Our generation will be, will define two or three generations of American history. If we don't get this right, this country is headed in a very different tilt than it has been on. All right, folks, we're going to be back with more with our exclusive interview with Rebecca Weber on AMAC Wednesday, right after this commercial break. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. All right, folks, more of our exclusive interview with Rebecca Weber. I want to talk a little bit about all the things that AMAC offers. I have my five-year mentorship. I was blown away when I signed up. All the things that come with it. Your great podcast, Better for America podcast, which I was lucky enough to be on recently. You've got an app. You've got unbelievable offers. In fact, I've trained my wife and I now. If we're going to go buy any service, hey, go check AMAC to see if we got a discount because you, you guys have things covered. It's a remarkable... You're not just getting a service. You're getting a whole kind of lifestyle 
community. Talk a little bit about the things that AMAC can deliver for members like myself who joined for five years or one year. Sure thing. So again, the discounts are really great. Benefits are great. You will save on everything from cell phone service providers to travel discounts. Some of the some of the programs that we built in house uh, that we directly oversee is our Medicare advisory service. Uh, We have a team of 40 licensed agents in all 50 states. Uh, They've gone through extensive training and licensing, and they're offering multiple choices uh, to AMAC members who are navigating their way through Medicare parts A, B, C, and D, which can be quite confusing. We offer Social Security advice uh, at no cost um, to anybody across the entire nation. People are confused. They're not sure if they should collect now or later, so we've got an incredible team at the ready uh, to answer any questions, uh, everything from discounts on auto and home insurance, uh, individual health insurance. We've got a great guaranteed acceptance life insurance program. And some of the other member discounts are, are, are great. Uh, you'll, you'll save money when you're out dining, uh, save money on health and wellness, uh, lifestyle and entertainment savings. So we are building the benefits side of our organization, and we're always looking to work with like-minded organizations that believe in great values, staying away from the woke organizations uh, as much as we possibly can, and uh, building on, on that benefits platform. I encourage everyone to check it out. And you're right, John, the AMAC News app is great because you're not going to, uh, you don't have to pay for that news. You can get right in there and view our and it's, it's a, just a fabulous way to stay connected. We've got polls and games and, and a new website coming soon as well. Yeah, it is really, really something to see. And I, folks, I'm not joking. When you get on the site and you join AMAC, which you should do today, we have a special site set up, amac.us slash just news, amac.us, for United States, slash just news. You'll sign up. You can't believe all of the discounts from cell phones to even Papa John's pizza. It's an amazing thing. I, Judy and I, my wife, we hardly go buy something until we check the AMAC site because there's just so many amazing things there. Now, I want to shift a little bit to the satisfaction of civic engagement, which I think is also really important. I think for a long time, Americans had the feeling, you know what? I can't fix what's going on in Washington, so I'm just going to ignore it. And AMAC has really reversed that feeling. All the grassroots things that you do on a daily basis is really beginning to reshape debates in states in Washington. How important is it to have a 2.3 million person army every day that can contact Congress? And what are some of the examples of success that that grassroots army has already been able to achieve? Excellent. Well, just for some perspective, um, just over the past two years, we've had over 100, I'm sorry, over 300,000 members respond to calls to action, leaving over a million messages, comments, phone calls, weighing in with Congress, uh, all of our major federal agencies, our state legislatures, and even corporate executives. Um, some of our success stories, John, uh, I mentioned the parental rights legislation passed and signed into law in Kentucky. Um, we crossover voting in Wyoming. Uh, ranked choice voting in Idaho. So ranked ranked choice voting is a very confusing election process where the winners can become losers. And voting is more complicated. Uh, election turnout may be discouraged and such. Uh, so we're saying there's no need. Uh, it's unnecessary ranked choice for voting. And we're really looking to ensure that our elections are free and fair. So we stopped ranked choice voting in Idaho, uh, in Utah, we passed anti-ranked choice voting in North Dakota and Montana. Um, 
We have an ongoing campaign in Illinois. And then we're working hard on hospital price transparency because we believe that people ought to know what they're paying for and what they're getting. Hospitals ought to publish uh, their, their costs and people need to have choices if they want to go in for some sort of surgery. Uh, they want to know who, you know, what is available and where. So we're working hard, hard, very hard on that front. Um, over 41,000 uh, AMAC members have participated in call to action campaigns so far this year alone, and over 440,000 messages have been sent to President Biden and state legislatures this year alone. Uh, so, you know, we believe we've been instrumental in stopping the dangerous federal takeover of our elections last year. Um, the, AMI, uh, the, the AMAC Army is, is growing. Uh, we've got over 352,000 signed up advocates. Uh, so it is really important for people to get involved because this is something you can do um, very easy. You can do it from the comfort of your home, really. Uh, but you can become part of a really dominant voice a powerhouse is what we're growing into in Washington to counter the liberal, uh, the liberal 50 plus alternative, uh, who's got a very strong muscle. And we take our marching orders from our membership. You know, we poll and engage with our members, which is why feedback is so important. Uh, so ongoing campaigns, uh, people can find them at AMACAction. Dot org. Uh, just you know, if people want to get involved in some of these calls to actions that I've mentioned, we've got uh, ongoing calls to action each and every day. Yeah, that's it's just an amazing thing to watch. And uh, grassroots voices really matter. I, I've covered Congress a long time. When when a congressman gets 500 or 1,000 contacts or someone shows up their door to have a good conversation, they're paying attention. And uh, AMAC has done it as effective as anyone I've seen in the last 10 years in terms of really getting attention that leads to action, which of course is the, is the ultimate goal of all these campaigns to get someone to act in the better interest. I want to finish today with one last thing because it's really rather spot sensitive. You have at AMAC long been concerned about the fiscal future of America, that we don't spend ourselves off a cliff, that our children, grandchildren, and great grandchildren will not be able to survive from a big moment today. The House likely to vote tonight, according to the House Rules Committee chairman, on a debt ceiling increase that does a substantial amount to start to reduce the spending addiction that Washington has. How important is this? Obviously, it may not get through the Senate. Joe Biden says he's going to veto it. But having a marker down in the negotiations, how important is it to getting to a real deal? It is so important to get to a real deal. And uh, it's important that that we, we lay it out, that we've got a plan, and that, that we get this information to the American public. Uh, you know, we can't allow government to spend money that we don't have. It is just, uh, it, is a, it is a terrible, terrible thing what the Biden administration has done. Uh, and they want to raise the borrowing limit yet again. They want no measures to reduce spending. Uh, this is definitely going to impact inflation. Uh, it, it's, it won't be good for the long term. So what uh, McCarthy and the Republicans are doing to propose a bill, uh, I, I believe it's titled uh, Limit, Save, and Grow. And uh, it, it raises the limit to avoid a default, but it couples it with, with practical spending reductions to get inflation under control. Uh, so the re Republicans will be voting on the measure. I do want to mention this. We have a great uh, way to help save some money, and that is that uh, we hope that the Health Act will be passed into law. The Health Act 
uh, stands for Helping Everyone Access Long-Term Health Care. Uh, Daniel Webster out of Florida is the original sponsor. And the, the bill is designed to encourage physicians to practice charity care from their own offices. John, so many doctors said, a majority of doctors said that they would be entirely behind this because what's happening is uh, doctors are often not treating those on Medicaid because they are not compensated and the administrative task of billing uh, for reimbursement is very burdensome. So by taking a simple tax deduction, uh, doctors will treat patients pro bono, those on Medicaid, that'll el eliminate, alleviate so many people who are crowding our emergency rooms and we expect that that will result in huge savings. Uh, so I, I just want people to watch out for the Health Act. We expect more to come out on that. Uh, Dan Weber uh, was instrumental in coming up with the, I think it was just an incredible idea to encourage physicians to practice charity care from their own offices. So we're always looking for ways to, um, to serve the American people, uh, to use common sense approach, but also Stop the crazy spending. The Health Act is something that will save perhaps billions of dollars. Yeah, isn't that amazing? When you look at the solution that you put there for doctors and health, it's, it gets us back to that first place that we started this conversation. There are so many common sense things that could be done to get our government, get our country back on its strong footing. You're there almost every day. I mean, it's one of the things I've noticed now that I'm a member, I'm reading every day. Every time I read a solution, but that just makes so much sense. It's just, why aren't we doing that? And I think that's one of the great strengths of AMAC, constantly hitting that incredible common sense instinct that we all have as Americans. And we kind of feel like Washington seems to be devoid of so often. Folks, one more time before we go, we're so grateful to have Rebecca for this much time. Go to amac.us slash just news. Go sign up. It is the best bargain you are ever going to invest your money in. The discounts will pay for it in the first few weeks. Your daily satisfaction of getting news you can use is going to be great. The podcast is a must listen to. You get a, a monthly magazine. That's really awesome. And at the end of the day, you get all of this grassroots intelligence and opportunities to actually not only become civically engaged, but to make a difference in your country. It is going to be a very satisfying experience. So get jumped in today, amac.us. Rebecca, what a great honor to have this partnership. Great honor to have you on the show today. I can't wait to get back and have some more conversations in the near future. Thank you, John. God bless you. Thanks so much. You as well. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in today. A big thank you to Rebecca Weber and Monica Crowley, two great guests, a lot of news there. Again, I want to remind you all, because I'm a five-year membership member of AMAC, I think you should join and do the same. If you want to get involved, it's easy. Go to amac.us slash just news, amac.us slash just news. You get involved, you get a discount on your five-year membership, your three-year membership, your one-year membership, you get all that value. A big thank you for Rebecca for joining the show today. And be sure to check out Just the News tonight. We've got another big story we're going to break, this time on the classified documents questions at Mar-a-Lago with President Biden. We're going to break some new news on it, a big, big development. We'll have that tonight when you wake up in the morning. You'll be up to speed on it, so keep an eye on that. All right, folks, that wraps up today's edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you. Have a great night. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. 
I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. 